And good morning again. And I have to tell you, it is so nice to be able to be up here and say, please be seated again after not being able to do that since March. Here in this space, I mean, it feels good. It feels like maybe a little bit of normalcy is creeping back into this year that has been anything but normal. So welcome back. We are really excited to have you back here in the nave with us, socially distanced and masked up and seated apart but that we're back, that's what counts. And it's the beginning. And what better day to regather and to start this new beginning than today, than All Saints Sunday. Not only are we gathered in person, indoors in person and also online, but in here we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, the saints who have been here before. The Daughters of the King have once again hung the banners all around the nave and, and they're beautiful. I have to say that All Saints is one of my favorite feast days on the calendar. It's a day when I think we can be a little bit like the, maybe the ancient Druids or who live alongside their forebears or, or maybe like our, our Native American sisters and brothers who think they live with their ancestors, not just to pretend we see them, but to know that they are very much still there. If you've lost a friend or a loved one and who among us hasn't lost someone close, you know what it is like to feel their presence near, even after their past. I lost my mother almost 20 years ago to the day, and, and I still hear her voice. Or she's there in my dreams. Our Western rationalist culture keeps us from talking about this, or, or maybe even admitting it, but I'm convinced it's something real that we share. This morning, we're surrounded by all those we lost. Don, Norm, Matt, Rowena, Linda, and all the others. All Saints is a day we celebrate their legacies. All Saints is a day we contemplate our own legacy. And appropriately, we have some of the most amazing scripture readings to welcome all our saints. The gospel reading, Matthew's Beatitudes, couldn't be more appropriate, I think, for the first Sunday of regathering. The windows over the eastern side of our nave are inscribed with the very same readings of the Beatitudes. I've said before, but it's worth saying again, that I think St. Peter's is a Beatitudes kind of place. We're loving, we're meek, we're unassuming, we're always fighting for righteousness, we're merciful. And in this reading, Jesus goes up the mountain, which reminds us of Moses' ascent that we read about a couple of weeks ago. And he begins to address the crowd. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger for righteousness, those who are merciful, are pure in heart, are peacemakers. It's less a sermon than an invitation to a way of living. Jesus is describing to us the characteristics of a moral life. And I think to those assembled in Matthew and and especially to us today, those calls couldn't be more counter to the prevailing culture around us. Think of the relentless pounding of political ads these past few weeks, I think offers a glimpse into our cultural ethic today, the opposite of meekness and peacemaking, full of self-righteousness, but probably uncaring about what is right, often merciless as opposed to merciful. You see, it's all too easy to worship power when Jesus invites us instead to 
empty ourselves and worship with him along beside the powerless. And in that way, the Beatitudes are a sermon in themselves. It almost doesn't need anything else to be said. But I invite you to spend time with them over the coming week, especially the coming week. Maybe spend Tuesday night contemplating them instead of anxiously obsessing about election results. It won't change the results, but it might change your state of mind. I know that's what I'll be doing. And this morning's readings open with the wonderfully poetic reading from Revelation. It's the reading that's often selected for a funeral service, and it's a beautifully reassuring pastoral call. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. As you know, the book of Revelation can be challenging, can be a challenging read, but this morning's is warm and comforting. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This seems counterintuitive, but, but it recalls our own cleansing in the body and blood that we share at communion. We're told they've gone through a great ordeal, and I think this year more than most, we understand ordeals. You know, we've been faced with hurricanes and wildfires, global unrest, the pandemic that we all think about. And I think we need to hear this year maybe more than ever and be warned by the reading in Revelation. They, he tells us, they will hunger no more and thirst no more and the sun will not strike them. They're protected in the shelter of God who sits on the throne. How much more reassuring can you get? Now John of Patmos, the, the writer of Revelation, opens with this huge panoramic view. He tells us, there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne. It recalls those assembled around Jesus on the mountain in today's gospel. And in a way, today's reading in Revelation can be seen as what might be a God's eye view of Jesus assembled before the crowd of Matthew. The great multitude is the widening scope of those who continue to hear his words. That scope includes us here today as we heard them. We're part of that great multitude. And so are the saints who've gone before us. We're all part of John's great multitude, innumerable, more than the stars in the sky. This God's eye view of Revelation it can also be called the church triumphant. In that way, Jesus' invitation on the Beatitudes might be seen as the church militant, that is, the work we're called to do while here on earth. We're called to be merciful. We're called to make peace, to value meekness, to seek righteousness, to suffer challenges, but don't lose hope. Jesus' words are never easy, but, they're also, but they also aren't impossible or out of reach. I stand here and can think of many members of our St. Peter's family who embody every single day the characteristics that Jesus calls out in the Beatitudes. And many of you are present with us here this morning. Now often when you think of saints, it's easy to only think of those big capital S saints. You know, Mother Teresa and Francis of Assisi, maybe Joan of Arc and so forth. But saints is also a broader, I think a more radically inclusive idea. We're surrounded by flags of the saints here in the nave. And when we read in a few minutes the list of those we've lost, we never don't include a name. We can all be saints, as troubled as our lives may seem today. 
Because that's how redemption works. Again, reading from Revelation, For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to the springs of the water of life. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Today we're invited to live into the irrational, still unquestionable, I think, idea that those saints who passed are still with us, even though we cannot see them any longer. As you know, I spent several years living in Mexico and, and always treasured the idea of their Day of the Dead, or Dia de los Muertos. It's a celebration of a resurrection people, a resurrection people like us. They believe that when somebody dies, it doesn't really represent that they're no longer present. They will always be with us in spirit. Dia de los Muertos is a celebration to them. And the celebrations are bright and colorful and not mournful at all. The occasion is a happy one with shared stories and laughter and quite often a fair amount of tequila. Those celebrations keep those who've passed alive. I think All Saints Day is our chance to celebrate the saints, both capital S saints and small letter S saints who've passed before us. It's a reminder that in our memories and stories and laughter, they are still very much with us and the tequila is optional. The God's eye view of great multitudes worshiping from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, is a reassuring reminder that those we love and lost aren't alone, but surrounded among those they love, clothed in robes made white in the blood of the Lamb. And we're not alone. No matter how much more of an ordeal 2020 can throw at us, we're surrounded also by this great cloud of witnesses represented by the banners that surround us here in the nave, who are reminding us that the Lamb at the center of the throne will be our shepherd, and he will guide us to the springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Amen.